Yo, welcome back to Living Lean. This is Jeremiah Bear. Today, we have a listener Q&A, and I'm stoked to get into these questions. We have some great ones today. But before that, I want to mention a few things that will be helpful for you to start your new year off right. So first and foremost is the lifestyle diet. And this is a free guide that I created to help all of my clients get the best results possible with their nutrition while still living a flexible lifestyle because that's huge actually making your results sustainable for long term. So this guide teaches you how to not only set up your macros for building a lean, strong body, but also how to actually make your macros, make your nutrition work with the weekends, with social events, with things like that that normally throw people off. This is literally free. The link for this is in my show notes. All you have to do is drop your email in, download it, 100% free. It is crazy helpful. So definitely check that out. Second, if you like the show, if you've been listening to Living Lean and you've taken value from it, do me a huge favor. Post a screenshot of this on your Instagram story. Tag me. I'll share that to my story as well. This just really helps me, one, see who's listening to the podcast because I appreciate you and I want to get in touch with you and help however I can. And two, helps me grow my reach, helps this podcast reach, and help more people. With that said, let's go ahead and get into the Q&A. So first question was from a dude who has a mutual friend to me. And he said, she told me you're doing online coaching. I'm looking to start that in the near future. And I'm looking for advice on how to start and what's been working for you. So this is a question that I get quite a bit. First and foremost, focus on becoming a really damn good coach. I can't emphasize enough how important that is. Because a lot of times when people come into the industry, get focused so much on building business, like how do I attract more clients, how do I market, but all that is predicated, actually having a successful business is predicated on the fact that you're a really damn good coach and you can actually get people results. The best marketing, the best content strategy, all these things, they don't matter if you don't actually get people really good results. And you don't actually truly care about your clients. And that's always what I tell people first and foremost when they ask me that question. Because again, this always gets lost in all these other strategies and just trying to figure out how to grow as quickly as possible. Now, I will also say that learning how to coach, if you're not someone that's coached, and I'm not sure this dude's exact history, I won't say for sure that like... You need to work with people in person for normally the amount of time that's thrown out there is like you need to coach people in person for five years at least before you try to coach people online. Um, I know some people that have done this successfully without coaching people in person. Like I don't think Matt McLeod or Mike Conti ever coached people or like Mike Matthews. There's quite a list of people that I don't think ever coached people in person that have been very successful coaching online. But Focus on becoming a very good coach and understand that it's going to take time. Have a good understanding of the fundamentals of nutrition and training and always, always keep learning. You don't have to know everything right out of the gate to help your clients, but you do need to know the fundamentals and also realize that everyone doesn't need to follow the same program as you. Whatever got you results, 
doesn't isn't necessarily going to work for your clients. Like I remember when I started coaching, I was doing like 20 minutes of lunges a day and I was following an intermittent fasting keto diet hybrid, which I would never do either of those things now. But at the time that had worked for me, I had lost a lot of weight. I thought that was solution the solution for all my clients. And it did not work for anyone to say the least. So the most important thing when we're coaching clients is first and foremost, figure out what is realistic for that client's lifestyle. Like literally with when people start online coaching with me, I literally ask like, okay, with the nutrition, I'm laying out all these different options. Tell me which of these you think you can most easily do, which is most realistic for your lifestyle. Same thing with your training. And we literally work through, literally right there on that call, we create like, okay, this is your nutrition strategy based on everything we've talked about. We collaborate to figure out what's the best fit for your lifestyle. Same thing with training because adherence out of everything, you can create your clients the most optimal plan possible, but if it's not something they can actually stick to long-term, then you're doing them a disservice and they're not gonna get results. <laughs> kind of a random tangent there. But anyways, realize it's gonna take time to become a great coach. You have to be patient as hell, especially if you wanna build an online business or really to build success as a personal trainer. Honestly, just it takes a long time. Next, learn a ton about the art of coaching. Coaching is so much more than just nutrition and training. Really, people know the basic principles of what they need to do. It's up to you to learn how to communicate all these things to them, motivate them, and make them realize why this is so damn important to actually get them out of their own way and get these results. This is a big thing that people forget to focus on. This is honestly my first year or two of coaching, something I wish I would have focused on more. Communication is such a big piece of this. So I read books like a couple of my favorites on coaching are The Coaching Habit by Michael Stanier, I believe is his name. Coaching for Performance by Eric Whitmore is a great one, one of my all-time favorites. Atomic Habits by James Clear is my all-time favorite book. The one I send most to all of my clients. Truly a life-changing book for most people. Crucial Conversations, I don't remember the authors, but that's a good one. And the book Motivational Interviewing in Nutrition and Training, I believe it's called. Another great book. Really gives you a much different perspective on how to talk to people and really going into every interaction with your clients with the mindset of collaborating, not prescribing. That's the biggest difference maker truly. Just like I was talking about earlier, like figuring out what your clients can adhere to and actually asking them questions instead of just telling them what to do. And I think that's a huge part of why my online clients have gotten such great results. I would hire other coaches that you want to learn from. So if you want to be an online coach or just a coach in general, and you've never worked with a coach or an online coach, that is such a good place to start. Because right now, if you've never worked for someone or worked with someone, excuse me, you don't know how to properly deliver all these things. Working with someone that one, you want your business to be like, or you want your coaching style to be like, helps tremendously because you can see how they deliver all these things and it really expedites the process of you figuring out like okay here's how here's how i put together all my services 
here's how I want this to feel. It really just helps so much with speeding up, delivering the service that you give. I have a ton of coaches that work with me for this actual reason. And this is something that I've done a, I spent a huge amount of money on in the last few years, but it has helped me grow so much for my own nutrition and training, for my business, for my writing. I've had coaches for all of that. And it is always an investment, but it truly helps you grow so much quicker. And it helps you become such a better coach. When you can pick all these people you look up to a ton in the industry, you can literally, if you hire them, you can pick their brains constantly. And it's, it's such an amazing resource to have. I can't recommend that enough. And then give away a stupid amount of content for free for a long time. I honestly never stop giving away a ton for free. But again, with online coaching especially, I honestly think it's just a game of consistency and patience. Like the people that stick it out the longest are eventually the ones that succeed. And really for most everyone I've talked to, me included, it takes about 18 months at the very minimum of you just giving away a ridiculous amount of valuable content for free before you really start attracting very many clients to an online coaching service. And for me, I know that started to happen after I had already been an in-person coach for four years. Then I started putting out a ton of content and then it really, really started to build up. But again, I think I've said patience a hundred times already, but it just takes time. Give away a ton of valuable content for free in everything you do over deliver. Any client that signs up with you, over-deliver every single time you talk with them. In your content, over-deliver. Give them a stupid amount of value. Like People won't be able to believe how much you're giving away for free. That is truly how you grow this. It's just give, give, give. And eventually, people will see all the amazing results that your clients get, and they'll start working with you. And if you're constantly giving, you're consistent as hell, which is another very, very important thing. You have to be crazy consistent with your content. Again, if you wanna grow an online coaching business, or at least from my own anecdotal experience, working with myself and mentoring, you have to be crazy consistent with content in order for this to work. But when you are super consistent, people see your client's results, they see your content constantly. A couple of years down the road from now, when they need help, you'll be the first person that they think of. <laughs> but again, I can't emphasize enough. All this takes time. And with your content, literally try to look at everything you create, everything you put out from someone else's perspective. So for example, if you are someone that's looking to hire a coach, let's say, and you were looking at your own content as someone else, would you hire yourself? Or would you think, uh, it kind of looks like they half-assed this? That's something that's very important to think about. And I know for me personally, when I started looking at my own content like that, it really helped me level my game up. So um, I think that's really all I have on that. But yeah, really just over deliver, focus on being a great coach, be consistent as hell, be patient as hell, and it'll happen. Next question is, how do you approach full body training but work around an injury? So I have to disclaim this by saying, obviously this is a medical advice, make sure you have it taken care of. I don't know the specific shoulder injury here. So these are all just general guidelines, things that have worked for me, things that have worked 
for clients. So first and foremost, anytime we're having a shoulder issue, one of the biggest things we want to focus on is building your upper back. So basically doing a lot of rowing is a good idea or horizontal pulling. The muscles that we train when we row, when you do the horizontal pulling movement, really are key to stabilizing your scapula, basically stabilizing your shoulder blades and your shoulder joints. So if your rowing muscles are weak, your shoulders are always gonna be pretty fragile, pretty prone to injury. And for most dudes, this is one of the biggest issues they've had in the past because, and I've been there, we just love to bench, we love to train our chest, but we push a lot more than we pull. As a good rule of thumb, and this is how I program for all of my clients, because by the time, honestly, by the time most of us are like in our mid-20s, everybody's shoulders are pretty banged up from doing this incorrectly. We want to pull a lot more than we push at at least a two to one ratio. Every time I program for a client, well, in general, posterior focus, training the muscles of the backside of your body is always our main emphasis. But anytime we're doing an upper body training session, you'll notice there's rows, face pulls, band pull aparts more than any other movement. That's for a reason. As far as our upper body goes, having a strong upper back is the most important thing for keeping you healthy and giving you longevity in your training and in the gym. So first I would say with your upper body, or excuse me, with your full body days, as far as upper body movements go, and again, I don't know the exact extent of this injury, so it's hard to say for sure, but rowing is probably one thing that you could do a lot of, and really, from my own personal experience with my shoulder injury and with my from my experience with clients, when we have shoulder issues, that's typically one of the things we can, can, can continue to do without really irritating that shoulder anymore. So I would program rows a lot. I would have them twice a week as your main compound movement for your full body day. So say you're running it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I would for sure do Monday, Friday, you're doing a heavy rowing variation. And again, this depends on the extent of the shoulder injury, but I would probably do something like a heavier T-bar row on a Monday. We're doing just a bilateral variation. And then the other day on Friday, I would do something like a heavy dumbbell row. Now, anytime we're programming full body, the basics are we always wanna do some variation of squat or knee dominant movement, which could also be something like a split squat or a lunge, a hinge, so think like Romanian deadlifts, barbell deadlifts, we wanna push and a pull. As long as we've trained those four movement patterns, then you've trained your entire body. So again, he's talking about this in the context of full body programming. So there, I mean, the lower body principles don't change that much. You're always training some variation of squat or hinge. So how I like to set this up for clients is like day one, we're training a heavy hinge movement to start. Day two, we're training generally a heavier push movement. Day three, we're training a heavier squat movement. And then we're running supersets of upper, lower, upper, lower and alternating push-pull. But in this case, I also have to say, and we'll get into this in a second, but I don't know that full body training is honestly the best choice here. Just because 
when you're running a full body training program, it's very much just like you have to hit all these compound movements to hit your entire body with an effective growth stimulus. But the problem is, even for some of those lower body movements, like I know for me, when I injured my shoulder, I couldn't do like a deadlift or a barbell back squat or a barbell front squat because it still hurt my shoulder so much. So honestly, I would say in a situation like this, maybe running something like lower, upper, lower, or a upper, lower, upper, lower split will allow you to hit your lower body with a lot more volume. Whereas like if you're just focusing on these compound movements, you'll probably have a lot more issues training around the shoulder overall. But taking it back to the original quest, because there you can really focus on like, okay, I'm gonna need a lot more leg press in. Basically we need to train our lower body with a lot more isolation, a lot more, or at least a lot, not necessarily isolation, but movements that won't irritate your shoulder. Now, I would also keep that in mind if you do for sure wanna do a full body training split with your lower body movements, yeah, you might have to sub in, let's say like a Bulgarian split squat instead of a normal squat. Maybe you have to do a hip thrust instead of a deadlift. That might just how it has to be for a while. But again, I would recommend like doing lower body days just because you can hit your lower body with a lot more volume. And from personal experience, if we're training that shoulder joint, like if we're putting that shoulder joint under load too often, and again, this is this is purely anecdotal from my own experience. And again, my experience with clients, it will often irritate it more than if you just train it, let's say once or twice a week. I know that's suboptimal frequency if we're looking at, okay, we wanna train at least twice a week, but we also have to take into account that you need your shoulder to heal. So when you are training your upper body, again, I would do lots of rows. If you're good to do it, I would train rows as your heavier upper, or your more, your more intense, I should say, upper body movement at least twice a week. The main focus of your upper body training is rows, lots of face pulls, lots of band pull aparts, similar to rows. Those are great for all the muscles that really stabilize your shoulders and really focus on being able to retract and depress your scapula. So really focusing on scapular movement, basically being able to pull your shoulder blades back and together, being able to, when you're rowing, being able to depress the scapula initiate any vertical pulling movements when you're pulling down from overhead, really being able to initiate that movement by pulling your scapula or pulling your shoulder blades down and then following through with the elbows. That's another huge thing when it comes to talking about us quote unquote fixing shoulder injuries. Most people just don't have proper, proper scapular movement. And if you don't, if you're not able to move your scapula properly, that's always gonna irritate that shoulder anytime you're training movements that involve that shoulder joint. So that is another huge key. Um, when we're getting into presses, if you can press, great, without pain, I would start with something like a dumbbell floor press or even a barbell floor press. Honestly, I'd probably start with a single arm when you do work in a pressing this, hypothetically saying you're not good at press right now. Obviously push-ups are a great one too because they already push your scapula in kind of a retracted position. Scapular push-ups are a great one. A single arm dumbbell floor press is a great one. Then from there you could progress to like both arms dumbbell floor press, maybe work in some barbell floor press. A lot of neutral grip movements though are great options here because again, generally a neutral grip is gonna be a little bit easier on the shoulder. 
So even things like trap bar floor presses will basically you set it up in the pin, but you're lying. You set trap bar up on the pins and you bench press it, but it allows for a neutral grip. Or if you have a football bar, that's great too. But a neutral grip is very helpful here. Generally, I, again, I love floor presses. And then often I found that most clients and for me personally, with shoulder injuries, flat benching, like a floor press works great for most people because it stops range of motion short. So tension remains on the chest and off the shoulder joints. But a flat bench irritates most people. So for my clients that have shoulder injuries, and again, myself, we don't do flat bench. Typically a decline bench, a low incline or a normal incline for most people will feel much better. You'll be able to push the weight there and you just honestly have to accept and again, this is all dependent on you individually, but generally you just have to accept that maybe the bench press isn't going to work for you. I know for me, that was one of the hardest things because for the longest time after my shoulder injury, I kept coming back and trying to do barbell flat bench. I just kept re-injuring my shoulder. Eventually, I finally just accepted that that wasn't for me, but I was going to get really strong at incline benching. And like since then, I felt great. I never have any issues with my shoulder. Um, from there... Typically, most people with shoulder issues can work horizontal presses much better than overhead presses. So there's kind of a continuum that we want to work through that you can kind of, if you're somebody that was overpress, overhead pressing before and you can't now, the continuum that I used is starting with horizontal and that I use with clients. So for somebody that like right now, let's say you start coaching and you say, hey, I can't press overhead without pain. I used to be able to. And again, obviously we'll focus a ton on upper back always here, but start focusing on horizontal presses, low incline presses, eventually higher incline presses, and then things like a half kneeling landmine press where we don't have to get all the way up overhead, but we're getting more delt dominant, less chest dominant here. Then we can go into things like, okay, let's try a kettlebell bottoms up press. So that's a great movement for shoulder stability. Honestly, I love the kettlebell bottoms up press. For most clients, when we're going into a purely overhead movement, which I wouldn't necessarily consider a half kneeling landmine press, a purely overhead movement because it's more out in front of you. And again, it's not as stressful on the shoulder if you're somebody that has mobility issues or injuries, but as far as like purely overhead pressing movements, the half, a half kneeling kettlebell bottoms up press is probably where I'd start. And then I would progress to a standing kettlebell bottoms up press. That's gonna do a ton to help your shoulder stability, get them stronger, more stable. And I know this is a progression that I use for the longest time coming back from shoulder injury. Twice a week, my overhead pressing work was strictly a kettlebell bottoms up press. Then from there, you'll probably eventually be able to move on to something like a half kneeling dumbbell overhead press, and then a standing one-arm dumbbell overhead press, then like a seated dumbbell shoulder press with both dumbbells, and just keep that grip a bit more neutral. And eventually, you'll likely be able to move back to a barbell overhead press. But <laughs> again, this is all assuming that you're okay to press at least a bit, if not, you can probably likely still move, do movements like lateral raises. So if you can't do any pushing at all, but lateral raises don't bother you, then I would likely start 
with just do high frequency lateral raises. Do a different lateral raise variation every day that you train three times a week. If you're still doing three times a week full body training, that'll keep your shoulders feeling good. You can recover from lateral raises super quickly. So we can program those a ton. And honestly, that's something that I do for my clients that want to build their shoulders. We program a ton of high frequency lateral raises. It doesn't create a ton of stress, a ton of damage, but it's enough to give you a growth stimulus and you can come back next session and do it again. Um, and yeah, that's really what I would recommend as far as the shoulders go. Okay, final question is, I can't get my core to fire like I used to. Help. So here first I would say, unless you haven't been practicing the skill of quote-unquote firing your core, or you just haven't been doing as much core training, that's not a skill that would just atrophy. You shouldn't just lose that skill. So I would say first, just look to make sure that you've been doing both of those. Make sure you've still been doing lots of anti-movement training. So not just doing things like crunches and leg raises, but we're also training anti-extension, anti-rotation, and anti-lateral flexion. So make sure you're doing different plank hollow hold variations you're doing weighted carries you're doing things like pile off presses side planks so really actually training your core's ability to resist movement and not just training spinal flexion which again is just different variations where we're crunching our spine basically next i would say one of the biggest things that helps my clients is and that helped me when i was struggling with back issues is learning how to use the Valsalva maneuver properly. Now, I know there's some debate about this. Some people aren't a fan of the Valsalva maneuver. Ugh, the Valsalva maneuver. Personally, I found it's a game changer for all my clients that struggled with back issues. So here, at the top of any movement where our spine is under heavy load, we're gonna take a big old breath of air deep into our belly. Normally when we breathe, most of us breathe into our chest. Here we're intentionally filling our belly up with air, almost like you're trying to make a basketball belly. And how I like to envision this is I'm pulling a big bubble of air into my stomach and literally trying to push that down through the floor of my stomach through the rep. So literally think pushing that air bubble down. And this will also mean that you're trying to push your tongue you're basically pushing your tongue against the roof of your mouth. So how I used to coach this with my clients in person was, all right, stick your thumb in your mouth and I want you to blow against your thumb as hard as you can without letting any air leave your mouth or your nose. If you do that right away, you'll feel your lower belly really feel fill up. What we're doing there, we're creating a ton of intra-abdominal pressure. So the easiest way to describe like what's going on here is imagine we have a water bottle, a plastic water bottle. If you don't have the lid on it, you can just crush that right up when we put it under pressure, right? But if it's full of air, we screw the cap on, as hard as you squeeze, you still can't crush that water bottle, you still can't get that to collapse. So similar to what we're doing here, by pulling this big bubble of air into our belly and not letting it leave, we're creating a lot of intra-abdominal pressure that's going to help keep your spine safe so again like let's take this to the squat for example at the top of the squat before you drop into the hole you take a big breath push it down through the floor of your stomach drop down to the squat and then we're going to come back up past the sticking point of the squat 
So for most people, that's about halfway up. And then through the top half of the movement, you can really start to let your air out a bit if you want to. Reset at the top, do the same thing again. So make sure your breathing is on point. And if you're someone that has <laughs> the one disclaimer for that is if you're someone that has like struggled with high blood pressure or you have heart issues, you probably want to look into making sure that this is safe for you. Um, the other thing I would say is something that I like to do with my clients that just literally struggle with the ability of getting their core to fire. Like we know we're doing lots of anti-movement training, but they still just can't get their core to fire is actually doing something like an RKC plank for 10 seconds of all out max effort, max contraction with 15 seconds rest. And we repeat that for eight rounds. So you're doing 10 seconds. You're literally just trying to create as much possible tension as possible. Rest for 15 seconds and repeat. And here we're really just training the muscles of your deep core to fire maximally. As opposed to training it for time, so say like a plank for max time, there you're often not maximally firing all these muscles in your deep core. So here, with just these short intervals, we can really fire everything maximally, contract super hard, and focus on creating as much core tension as possible, which is a lot more applicable to what you're doing in a movement like a squat or a deadlift, as opposed to like just kind of hanging out in a plank for two, three minutes. So that would be my suggestion for those. And that is all we have today for the Q&A. So again, as always, thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, if you want to help me share this and grow this show, please take a picture of this, screenshot it, post it to your IG story, tag me, and I'll share that as well. All, as always, this is Living Lean. Thank you for tuning in.